My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys, and welcome to a new episode of Union Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am the host. Now, before we get started, quick reminder that although I am a therapist, this podcast does not serve as a replacement for mental health services or therapy. However, this podcast might lead you to those things. Now, today we have a fun episode because if you go to therapy, when you're in therapy, we are going to be talking about the questions that you probably want to ask your therapist, but choose not to. I got the idea for this podcast episode because I don't know why this popped into my head, but I remembered the love ballad to your therapist that Kristen Bell wrote and did a funny little music video on years ago, 2018, I think this is what I'm seeing when it came out. It might've come out before then. That's just when I remember seeing it, but it's so funny and it just like talked about like what her inside thoughts were. I'll link the video in the show notes. I wanted to play it, but it was too long for us to be able to play. But it just talked about like the things she thought about her therapist when she was like out of session and what she thought her life was gonna was like and it was just funny. So it got me thinking, like I go to therapy, so I have these questions too. What are the things that we're wondering but sometimes we like are too afraid to ask or we like want to know the answer but we don't want to know the answer. And so today we're gonna be going through those things. I picked 10. I could have picked more because I think there are more. So if there's some questions that I don't talk about, send them to me, email them to me, DM them to me because I find the stuff interesting and fun and brings a little bit of a lightness to therapy, which can be very serious most of the time, which last week we talked about, we got to find some pleasure. So here you guys are. This episode is about that. So let's just start and go straight into them. I chose number one as the one I think is the most popular and you might be able to guess it. So like, if you want to guess it, I'm going to give you like a second to guess. 
Okay, so the first question is, do you like me? And I really think that the majority of people wonder this. I wonder this. And another variation of this is, uh, well, do you like me more than your other clients? Am I one of your favorite clients? Do you look forward to seeing me? Those are all kind of variations of the same kind of thing right there. Some people will actually joke about this with me, like some clients, or I think in general, people probably do it with other therapists too. But I think that this really is like 99% of clients wonder this. And it kind of would be weird if somebody didn't care. Now, most likely your therapist does like you. But the truth is, it doesn't really actually matter. We don't have to like our clients to be able to help them. I mean, I guess it's not a hurtful bonus, but I would argue that it's a more important for your therapist to care about you than like you. And I can go on record right now saying I have cared about every single client I've ever had. Did I like every single client I've ever had? This depends on like the type of like, like would I want to be friends with them? Did I look forward to seeing them? That could be a yes or a no for a variety of different reasons. So I'm going to leave that question elusive. But as long as the therapist, whoever the therapist is, is monitoring their own stuff, making sure that the countertransference that happens sometimes in sessions, which is when like the client reminds the therapist of something in, in his or her life, as long as we're like really monitoring that and that's not getting in the way of the work they're doing, the question really doesn't have much relevance to the ability to make a difference in the actual work. But this could be a cool thing to talk about with your therapist for also a number of reasons. I'm not saying that you need an answer from your therapist, but it could be a cool thing to talk about what comes up around your desire for him or her to like you and kind of see where that goes. So I'm just going to go out there and say, I would be more concerned with if your therapist cares about you than if they like you, because when it all comes down to it, they're not in your real life. They don't really have to like you. It's not that important. So let's move on to number two. So let's say your therapist cares about you. Do you just care about me because I pay you? Now, this question I think is tricky and it's kind of unfair because most of the time, the only reason your therapist knows who you are is because you're their client. So yeah, I guess you could say that the only reason they care about you is because they're your client, but that doesn't mean that you are paying somebody to care about you. I just wouldn't know who you were, so I wouldn't have the ability to care for you. And the reason I think that this is kind of unfair too is that being a therapist is a job and it's how we make money and it's a job centered around helping people. But I don't think I'd be spending 30 plus hours a week helping people this way if I wasn't getting paid for it. And I don't know, I get on this kind of soapbox sometimes about how therapists are expected to be like altruistic all the time and to the utmost degree of empathetic just because the nature of their job. And I mean, if you're not that way, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you're even bad at your job. And we're human. So we have a threshold when it comes to all things like we can only do so much and we only have so much energy to give. And so this isn't even like pertaining to this question. But I do think that's something that like therapists are seen as these people that have to be like always kind and always thinking of other people and always doing things just for the sake of doing them. And like we're not allowed to actually like want to have careers and make money and be successful financially. And that gets kind of hard. And there's a difference in exploiting clients for a financial gain and 
being good at what you do and being able to be financially successful because of that. There's also a soapbox I get on on like price gouging when it comes to, I don't even know if that's the right term, but like when it comes to um, paying for therapy, because yeah, like especially in certain parts of the country or world, no matter where you're listening to this, the rates for therapists are going to be different. And I think there's something to be said that when therapy is at a place where it's like a really high demand and it's scarce, or if we just kind of like get big heads ourselves and like the, the, the demand for an individual therapist is really high, the prices and fees for therapy can be kind of outrageous. And you want to make sure that you're like actually getting what you're paying for. So just because somebody charges $700 a session, which is insane, doesn't mean they are worth $700 for that session because we make our own rates when it comes to private practice. So there's no like guiding body of that. There's no ethical like guidelines for our prices. And so I would just tell you guys, I don't even know how this is what I'm talking about when it comes to this question, but this is where my brain led me. But like, I would really um, encourage you guys to be mindful when you are accepting the rate of a therapist and you always have the ability to ask if they have a sliding scale if you can't afford what their rate is but again just because somebody's charging something doesn't mean you're going to actually get that level of a service so be cautious I think is what I'm saying and I mean some people are worth that and some programs are worth that and some workshops are really worth the money but I just want you to make sure that you're not being exploited because that is something that I've just like been monitoring lately and it, I hate it and at the same time going back to the question we don't just care about you because we're getting paid it's our job so we're getting paid but I would say I can't be paid to care about somebody I don't know how to make my mind work that way but most of the time I am at work working with a client in that moment because they're paying me so that to me is like a matter of how you look at something and I want to go back to what I said in the beginning of yeah you are paying us for our service but you're not paying for us to care about you we care about you because we get to know you and we want to help people in general we don't care about you just because you're paying us. And if I end a relationship with a client, if a client ends up being like, oh, I don't really need to come anymore or they move or something, I still care for them even though they're not still paying me. And if they sent me an email or a text, I would like be so excited to hear from them and and get that as long as it's within boundaries. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Number three, have you ever looked me up on social media? And can you tell if I've looked you up? Now, we're not supposed to do this, but it doesn't mean that someone hasn't done it because of curiosity, right? To me, this is a matter of confidentiality and a matter of respect. And also, it really ties into our ability to remain unbiased. For example, if I'm stalking somebody's Instagram as a therapist, then it might be hard for me to remember when someone's telling me a story, if I know certain details from what they've told me or from what I've seen on Instagram. And personally, it's just not worth it. Also, if my client lies to me or even just like bends the truth a little bit, that can put me in a dilemma where like I might know they're lying, but I know they're lying because I'm looking at their social media, but I'm not supposed to be looking at their social media. And it gets very convoluted and it can be damaging to the relationship. And it's again, just not worth it to me to do that. Now, clients might show me something on their Instagram. They might message me something on Instagram. Of of course, I don't follow any of my clients. Your therapist should not follow you. That is somewhat a a no-no. But I might see something because they've showed me, but I'm not going behind their backs and looking at stuff. Also, again, I want to go back to the respect part. Just like I wouldn't want somebody stalking me, although, I mean, I know it probably happens. It's like a respect. If I wanted them to know something or see something, I would tell them or show them. And this is a little bit different for me personally because I have a public Instagram that clients can totally follow. But on that account, I would never post anything on my profile that I wouldn't want a client to see, which is why I'm a big fan of the close friends list. And I personally probably have more friends in my close friend list than are actually my close friends because I use it more of like a friends list 
where I can post things, whether I'm like out doing something with my family or my friends or my boyfriend, I can post something that is more personal that I just wouldn't want just like a a client to see. Not because I'm doing something bad, but just because it's personal. However, I will say this. You guys know that on TikTok, it shows you videos of people in your contact list. So if I have a number saved on the phone that I'm on TikTok on, I might see a client's TikTok. And usually I just brush right past them because I'm like, they probably don't want me to see this. But I just want you guys to know that that is a thing that happens. Also, part of that question, I can't tell if people stalk me. I have no idea. I don't know if there's like an app for that, but I have no way to know if you've looked at my stuff other than if you like liked something or told me about it. Number four, do you talk about me or tell my stories to your friends? Okay, so 100% yes, this happens. And it happens for maybe reasons that you might not know. It's not just about like taking stories that you've told in a session and making them entertainment. We talk about stories with clients, with colleagues, and this is done more in the vein of when we need a consult, like we need to staff our cases and make sure that we're kind of on the right track or asking another therapist, like, hey, what would you do in this situation? Or like if you're really excited about like an intervention or or some progress, we might share that of like, hey, I did this really cool thing. I wanted to share it with you. Now, I also will use examples of stories with clients, with other clients to help normalize things that they're going through. But again, you have to remember in any of these circumstances, we are bound by confidentiality. I could never and would never give any info that would ever give a glimpse of a clue who somebody is like that is the biggest no other than like sleeping with your clients, you know, Um, but like confidentiality is so important. So I would never want to risk that at all. And also like, yeah, there are times that a therapist will share stories with their friends about something that happened in a session, just like anybody at any job is like sharing a story from work. But again, we are bound by confidentiality. So We can't use names or any identifying information, whether it's like where the story was, who was in the story, what they looked like, none of that. So we don't have as much, um, I guess, leeway to like tell the fullness of the story. And you also have to take into account the kind of person your therapist is, which there are some bad therapists out there. I hope that you don't have one of those people, but therapists aren't out here just like making fun of all of their clients. That would kind of signify like you're kind of in the wrong field. So if we're telling a story about a client, it's most likely not going to be exploiting you out of pure entertainment by making fun of you. Now, you'll also find that therapists don't really want to talk about therapy all the time. Yeah, like everybody likes to talk about work to an extent and people have moments where they don't want to talk about work at all. And some people don't ever want to talk about work. So more often than not, I don't want to talk about what happened at work, after work with random people, especially people that aren't in the mental health field. Now, I might talk about, again, with a friend who works in mental health about a client and kind of get feedback more in like a consult sort of way. But really, when I get home, I want to be home and I want to be with my people and I want to talk about my own life because all day I don't get to do that and I want to talk about my friends' lives and I want to dive into that stuff and I want to watch stupid TV and kind of like let me rot my brain for a little bit rather than like continue to talk about what I just was talking about for 10 hours of the day. Number five, can we be friends? 
So I have recently been surprised at how surprising the answer to this question is to some people. And I guess it's more people that I've like never been to therapy or had anything to do with mental health. People really don't get why I can't be their therapist just because I already know them or because we're friends. It almost is like, well, that wouldn't make it easier, right? We already have a relationship. And being friends with a client is an automatic no-no because it creates a dual relationship. And a dual relationship is when there are two people and two different types of relationships at the same time. Why does this matter? You can be friends with your hairstylist and your accountant. So why can't you be friends with your therapist? Well, because one of the foundational differences between a friend and a therapist is their ability to be unbiased. And when you're friends with them, you can't be unbiased. Now, once you develop a relationship with a client, there's going to be some space where you are biased towards your client and you're not in your client's day-to-day life. So you're not friends with their friends. You don't have buy-in to any of the decisions or the outcomes of anything that you're doing. Friends just like aren't like that at all. That is part of being a friend. You have buy into certain things. Therapy is not a two-way street. Although you develop a relationship, it's not a reciprocal relationship. And there's a power differential. We're equal because we're both humans, but we're not equal at the same time. We have different levels of power as a therapist and as a client. Plus, to really have the freedom to say and do anything, like the things that you don't want anyone to know about you, there is a safety that the person, the client needs, and and that's essential. And so when you're with somebody who's not in your everyday life, who's not going to see you later, who doesn't have the ability to, to carry judgment into your personal life, that makes the biggest difference in being able to talk about the stuff that you can't talk about with anybody else. So I really think it's important to be able to have a therapist where you can like walk into the room, sit down, know that whatever you say to them is not going to travel and to infiltrate into any other parts of your life unless you're taking it there. And that's what creates a lot of the safety in that relationship. So it can't be friends with your therapist. And I also know that there are ethical guidelines based on what kind of mental health provider you have of when you would be able to be friends with them after you stop working with them. For LPCs, it's either two or three years. For certain other kind of mental health professionals, you can't ever have a friendship with them. And again, that gets kind of weird because we're humans. And let's say you live in a small town and your therapist goes to the same church as you and there's only like two churches in the town and you end up being in a small group with them or something like, yeah, there are spaces where things can get a little gray. Um, but generally there is a period of time after you stop working with a client where you continue to not be able to be in their life just to kind of like let that relationship marinate. Because again, one of our ethical principles is do no harm. And I would hate to kind of like dilute that relationship. And then the work that you have done with that client gets affected by the different relationship that you create with them. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Number six, can I really tell you anything? And I am kind of like thinking about people wondering, like, can I really tell you if I got drunk or are you going to judge me? Or if it's illegal, are you going to tell the police? And this always makes me think about how people lie all the time when like their doctor asks how much they drank and maybe they say, yeah, I drank. And they're like, how often? And you're like, oh, like once a week I have like one glass of wine when really it's like a couple times a week you have like three glasses of wine, which this podcast is not about alcohol abuse and what's normal and what's not. But I just think it's funny that like we just lie about that. And when it comes to your therapist, the answer is like, yeah, you can tell us anything and everything. Now, depending on your goals, like what are your goals? Because if your goals are to create like the healthiest life that you can, and if your goals are to kind of like work through some negative coping skills, like you're going to have to tell us what you're doing that's not working so we can help you figure out why you keep doing that or so we can help you figure out like other things to do that might be creating the same experience in your brain. There are limits to confidentiality when it comes to what you tell us harm to self, harm to others, if there is harm to a vulnerable population, if, if there is somebody who is vulnerable at risk, like a child or somebody who is elderly, we have to report that. If there's a court order, we have to disclose certain information. However, we don't have to disclose that you like smoked weed. 
because it's illegal. And if, if you're in college, we don't have to like report you if you're drinking underage, if it's becoming a harm to you and, and we are afraid for your safety, there is a conversation around that. But I will say when it comes to reporting and disclosing that kind of stuff, it's because we want to keep you safe. So it would never, we would never disclose something because we just wanted to like tattletale on you or ruin the relationship or break your trust. When there are thoughts of harming somebody or yourself, if there are thoughts, intent and plans and means to carry it out, like we have to report that because we want to help you. But when it comes to like, can I really tell you anything? Like, yeah, you can tell us if you got drunk. Yes, you can tell us if you smoked weed. Yeah, you can tell us if you did a multitude of drugs. We need to know that so we can help you. And like, we're not here to judge you. We're here to help you figure out what's best for you and how to live the life that is best for you. Also, you can tell us about the things that you're kind of like feeling shameful about or or scared to tell other people when it comes to maybe sexual desires or sexual relationships or experiences or things maybe you've done that you've regretted. Like, yeah, you can tell us anything because going back to the question before, we're not your friends. So if we are in quotes, judging you, it doesn't matter because as a therapist, our job is not to judge you. Our job is to actually like help you be the person you want to be, not the kind of person that like we want to be ourselves. And I will say, just like a piece of feedback, if you are struggling with talking about certain things with your therapist, you can talk about that and not even talk about the thing you're struggling about. Just say like, hey, like I know that I've been holding some things back and I'm not ready to share them, but I kind of want to talk about like why I might not want to share these things and see what happens. Now, number seven, do you ever get crushes on your clients and has a client ever been attracted to you? So I can say personally, I've never developed romantic feelings for a client. When it comes to clients having feelings towards me, it's happened. I don't know how often because I think sometimes they don't tell you. I've talked about it with a client before. It usually in those circumstances leads to something else. And it's kind of like an attraction towards me, but it's because of a different reason. Maybe I'm the first one that they've been able to be emotionally open with, or I remind them of somebody else in their life. But that's something you talk about and you work through and then you decide if you can still have a professional relationship with them or not. And if you can't, you would refer that person to another therapist. Now, also, I want you guys to remember there's a difference in finding somebody attractive and being attracted to somebody. So that can be being attracted to them sexually, romantically, whatever. But you can find somebody attractive. Yes, they are an attractive person and not have those kinds of like feelings towards them. So I just want to differentiate. But sometimes we like think that those have to be together and they don't always have to be together. There is a skill in being able to kind of like turn off feelings like this with clients. And it's almost like you see your clients as like your brother. Like I am not going to be attracted to my brother personally. So when I see my clients, I kind of see them in that way. And so it doesn't really even get there. There's almost like this like professionalism wall, although I do show up very much like myself. I can only let that go so far. Now, the other thing is like, let's say Michael B. Jordan emailed me and wanted me to be his therapist. Off the bat, I would not be able to remain unbiased towards this person because I am physically attracted to him, even though I don't know him, but I would like to know him. Although, um, Patrick, if you're listening, I would never leave you for Michael B. Jordan. But if he were to email me and want me to be his therapist, I would immediately have to refer him out. Yeah, that would be cool. But one, 
if you're being a fan of somebody, no, that would not work. I would not be able to be unbiased towards them. And two, if I'm already attracted to them, that's already setting up a roadblock. So if I want this person to really get the help that they deserve to get, I'm not going to be the best suited person for them. Same with Britney Spears. I am a Britney Spears fan, huge Britney Spears fan. I cannot be her therapist because of that. The other thing is people do end up sleeping with their clients. They end up dating their clients. Like I wish that this didn't happen, but it does happen. Ethically, we have to wait as an LPC five years to be able to have a romantic relationship with a client. To me, I just do not see myself ever being able to do that, but people do it and I wish they didn't. Sometimes it ends really horribly. Maybe there is a experience where it hasn't, but if we were to be found like dating a client or sleeping with a client, we would be immediately reported, I hope, by whoever found that out and possibly lose our license, which to me, I'm like, we should definitely lose our license if we're doing that. That's um, like a huge no-no. And I do know from marriage and family therapists, they are not ever allowed to date a client that they have ever worked with professionally. So there's that. Number eight, are you really paying attention all of the time? And do you really remember what I tell you? And to that, I would say most of the time, yes to both. This is a skill that we develop because naturally things come into our brains as we're hearing people and we have to be able to like hold that and also keep listening. And I will say I probably interrupt my clients more than I should, but that also is part of the ability for me to stay on track and pay attention is if my client's literally talking for 30 minutes and I don't ever stop them, I might not be able to track with them that whole time. So me being able to stop and reflect and kind of paraphrase and stay with a client that way helps with my tracking and helps with my ability to like continue to pay attention, right? And do we remember what you tell us? Yes. And that's one of the reasons I take notes during session and I write things down that I would not want to forget. Maybe you said something that I, I don't want to stop you in that moment, but I want to come back to it. And so I write it down or I write down names that are important to remember or like your family system. So I remember how that works because sometimes people have complicated families So yeah, generally we remember things and at the same time, we can't remember everything. So sometimes we need refreshers and then it will like, okay, you just jog my memory. Um, But yeah, we're paying attention. And at the same time, I have heard of stories where therapists have fallen asleep or trailed off or something like that. And I don't think it happens a lot, but therapists are human. So maybe something was going on that day with them and they really needed to take the day off or they scheduled too many clients or who knows. But yeah, that has happened. It's never happened to me and I've never fallen asleep in a session, but it's something that I think has happened just like people have slept with their clients before. It shouldn't happen and it does. Number nine, does it bother you when you and your clients have different beliefs? So this is like yes and no. As a therapist, not really. No. As a human, yeah. But like I said earlier, like part of my job is to kind of like cut certain relational aspects out. Like I would look at somebody like a a brother or a sibling, so it doesn't really allow me to be attracted to them. The same goes here is like, it's not my job to kind of align you with my belief system. And I can separate my belief system from my work. And as as a therapist, my job is to get you to a space where you can do what is best for you based on your belief system, which is why we ask you, like, what brings you into therapy? What are your goals? I made the goals for all my clients. We might be 
doing completely different things, but it's what are your goals, not what are the therapist's goals. And if something was going to bother a therapist, it for sure would have happened in the past couple of years because there's been a lot of very polarizing stuff come up. And yeah, I have clients that have very different belief systems than me. That's okay because I'm not in there getting in a debate with them. I'm in there allowing them to process their feelings so they can be really clear on why they believe something, why they want something, why they are leaning towards something. And let's say a client says something that's very insensitive. Maybe my client is saying something that's very harmful emotionally and can and could be very harmful emotionally to people. I can help them figure out ways to say things like say the same thing, but maybe being able to express it in a way that's not as damaging or can be heard by others better or easier. But I'm not trying to change what they actually think and believe. I'm helping them get really clear on their beliefs. Now, their beliefs might change because of the clarity, but it's not about me. And that's why I think a lot of times people want therapists that like, well, she believes this and she's been through this and they've done this and they it really like sometimes that can be helpful, but at the same time, it's not necessary. Your therapist doesn't have to be in line spiritually or in line politically or any of that with you to be able to help you get to where you want. Although it's totally okay if you want them to. And not every therapist is going to tell you those things. A lot of therapists have very closed off boundaries when it comes to that kind of belief system. And so that might be something you want. I want a therapist that I have no idea what they believe. That's totally okay too. You also have the ability to say to your therapist, like in a first session when you're getting to know them, hey, I want you to remain like a blank slate to me. And that's something you might want to ask for because the blank slate therapist kind of model is kind of dissipating a little bit in the new wave of therapy that we're in right now. And uh, number 10, can I buy my therapist a gift? So as a general rule, we're not supposed to accept gifts that like cost over a certain amount of money. And again, it's gray. So if it's going to be more damaging to the client to reject the gift, then we have to like use our own judgment to decide in the moment what would be a better um, way to handle that for the client's sake. But you can get them things like a coffee or a donut or I mean, just like a small little treat like that. If you're, I don't know, stopping at coffee on your way from your session, I have plenty of clients that will do that sometimes. And that's awesome. And I think that's really thoughtful. It's not necessary. Or I've had clients who have gotten me like a box of tea because they know I love tea for like Christmas or something like that. One of my clients got me my favorite candy for Valentine's Day one day or one year. And those things are totally cool. You can give them cards. Like I really, really, really appreciate getting cards from clients and I actually keep all of those. And those I think are worth more than like any like expensive gift. And so maybe your therapist is having a baby or getting married or bought a house and you know about it or um, moved into a new building and you want to congratulate them on something or maybe something that happened. There's a death in their family or something like that. You can send them a card or something like that. And that is really uh, meaningful and you're totally allowed to do that. So that is the last question. If you have any questions that I didn't answer that you're like, oh, I've always wondered this about my therapist, but I'm too scared to ask, send them in because we can do that on Couch Talks or I can uh, maybe continue this over on Instagram, which speaking of Instagram, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at cat.defada and you can follow the podcast at Uni Therapy Podcast. 
If you have questions, comments, concerns, you can email Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com. And if you would love to rate the podcast, I would love that as well. And if you want to give us five stars, I would love that as well. And you can do that at the bottom of Apple Podcasts or now on Spotify, you can rate. So that is going to do it for this Monday's episode. Again, if you have anything you want to send to me, send it over Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com. And I hope that you guys have the day you need to have. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday for Couch Shocks. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.